My prayer is that uh, as much as we look forward to eating here in a few moments, uh, that we did not come to eat from that table, what we came to eat from this table. Um, This is what matters, God's holy word to us. And so that has been my prayer, that we would not be distracted by the beautiful smells coming from the fellowship hall, and that this would not be an appetizer, but that this would be our main course. This would be the thing that would nourish our bodies, our souls, and our minds, and our hearts this morning. He is worthy, amen? I love that song. I was, uh, I told Jared, uh, I'm grateful for Jared. He, he can take a, he'd be a great baseball player. He can take curveballs pretty quickly. I, I was in, uh, getting ready this morning, just praying, and one of my routines when I get ready in the morning, on Sunday mornings, I, I listen to, to some hymns, and uh, just trying to get my heart, and trying to allow the Lord and the Spirit to stir my own affections for Him. I, I never want to come to this pulpit without my own heart, my own affections being stirred first and foremost. And so that's one of the things I'll do every Sunday morning. I just get alone with the Lord in my room and just listen to music. And that song came on, and I sent, I knew Jared had already picked out a song. I was like, man, this has got to be the right song for us this morning. So Jared, I'm grateful for you and Rob uh, pulling that off as quickly as you did this morning. Just a few announcements before we get into this message this morning. Uh, first, Jack and his family, BJ and Leah, would like to thank you for all of your prayers for Briar. He's still recovering. As we said last week, he had fallen into a fire. It could have been a whole lot worse. Uh, it wasn't because Briar caught himself. It's because the good Lord was watching over him. And we believe that to be true. God's protection on him. And now we pray that God would continue to protect that little boy in his hands from infection and that he would continue to heal quickly. And so they wanted to say thank you for those prayers and also to ask that you would continue to pray for him and his healing. We would say too, I just talked to Jeremy a few moments ago. His dad is recovering well. He's at home. Just continue to keep Brother Frank in your prayers as he heals. And then lastly, praise God for those boxes. Praise God for those boxes. Every box that we see is a representation of a child that will hear and see and hopefully respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I know in my own life I take that for granted so many times. And that's what I want to talk to us about this morning. That we would come and we would say He is worthy and we would give all praise to Him. And that this season would be a season of thanksgiving. And that, those boxes are a, a testimony of the thanksgiving to this church and hopefully to what God will do with every single box. 231 boxes. We have the opportunity, this church of a, a, about 70 people, to impact 231 people. That is amazing. Because it's not just those kids that will be impacted. We pray that those kids will then impact their families and their villages and then the villages will go around the world. So it might be two, 231 boxes, but it's way bigger than that. And we pray, and we need to pray for those boxes. Um, as God even now prepares the hearts of those boys and girls that will receive that box. And it won't be a ball or a doll they receive, but they will receive the gospel message because He is worthy. Amen? Let me pray for us and then we'll jump into the text this morning. God, you are you are worthy. 
and you are good and you are kind to us. And your mercies are new every morning. You are worthy. And we eagerly anticipate your return to call those who trust in you home. And so God, I pray for those children that receive those boxes, that those children will be called home to be with you when you return. God, I pray for us this morning that we would remember your goodness. Your protection. I think of little Briar last week as you, God, sent angels to that boy to protect him. You are worthy. You are worthy of all of our praise. And so we come this morning, God. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, in this place to stir our affections for you, Lord Jesus, and you, God, the Father. So use this morning as we come into your place that our hearts, our minds would say he is worthy. I pray this in the mighty name of Christ Jesus. Amen. I told Michelle this a couple times. These boxes do something for my heart. And I do not apologize ever for my tears. Um, I pray that uh, all of us would have tears the way Christ had tears when he looked over Jerusalem for those that were lost. But with that, we must get into the text. And my prayer this week has been simply this. God, would you show us and give us a place of thanksgiving? That's what we're celebrating this week. And we'll come Thursday with our families and our friends and celebrate a moment of thanksgiving. But I want to look at this morning this idea of thanksgiving. Are we really grateful and thankful people? Have you ever been around someone that's so consumed by something and that's all they can talk about? Like every waking breath, that's what they talk about. I think I said this on Wednesday night, but Cedar's birthday was November the 19th. And I feel like we've been talking about Cedar's birthday since uh, November 20th of last year. But as those days got further and, and closer and closer together, about a week ago, that's all he would talk about. It's his birthday and I tell you, if I have to hear one more thing about some superhero, I might pull all of my hair out. I heard about Black Panther. I heard about Iron Man. I heard about Spider-Man. I heard about he wanted this kind of cake with this kind of superhero on it. Like he had it all down to like the, the like most minute detail. And he's five. But he was so consumed with it. If you go to him today and you ask him about his birthday, this is the sad part. He'd be like, oh, it's all right. I'm like, but, but I wonder for us how often we're like that we're consumed by things. And the moment we get those things, that, that consumption or that drive just is so fleeting. Whether it's a car or a house or your spouse. Think about that. When you were dating your wife or dating your husband, you were so consumed by that. But now that you're married and you've been married, it, it it can become this moment of just like, eh. 
I wonder when we come to God if we don't have the same attitude. But here David is going to tell us, hey, be consumed by the praise of God. And so he says this. We're going to look at four things this morning. To be consumed with God and to be consumed with the thanksgiving of God. So he's going to tell us how a person is to praise God or be thankful to God. Why a person is to praise God. The next two things is what is God like that we even need to praise Him. And then ultimately who will praise God. And so let's look at verses 1 and 2. How is a person to praise God? This is David and he's commanding his soul. He's having this discussion with his own heart. And he's speaking to himself. And this is what David says to his own heart. Now remember who David was. David was the king of Israel. David was God's chosen king for the people of God. David was a godly man. And yet we see in his life, there's these moments that David isn't consumed by God. Remember in 1 Samuel, we talked about this about a year ago, that, that David was not consumed with God, but he was consumed with his own pleasure, and he went on top of a roof, and he kind of just took it easy. Because his consumption for God, his consumption to praise God and be thankful with God had waned. And then we see the disaster that comes with that. He, he wrecks all Ten Commandments in that one moment. And yet we see now that David has journeyed his way through that moment in his life. And yet again, he's saying and he's employing with his own soul to be consumed with God. And these are the words he says. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of His benefit. And so David is saying, He's saying to himself, hey, everything that is in me, bless the Lord. Be consumed with the Lord's soul. My heart, my mind, my strength, be consumed with it. It's as if he is repeating both what Moses said in Deuteronomy 6 and what Jesus says in Matthew 22. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 22. Hey, you are to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. Are we totally consumed by God? And I would implore us to remind ourselves daily to be consumed with God. That is what David is saying. He's reminding himself, hey, be consumed with God. Be consumed with God. Be consumed with God. But I wonder, how often we come and we're not consumed with God. We come to church. We may even come to His Holy Word. We may come into His presence. We may come to read the Bible, but we're not consumed with it. It's what Jesus says to the Pharisees in Matthew 15. He says, these people honor Me with their lips, but what? Their hearts are far from me, and so I'd ask us before we continue on today, is your heart far from God? Have you just come for a dinner? 
Have you just come for fellowship? Have you just come today because this is what you're supposed to do? Or are you consumed? Am I consumed? Do I just come because at the end of the day I'll end up with a paycheck? These are all the things I must ask myself. What do I shepherd God's people for? Is it for me? Or is it to honor Him? So are our hearts far from God this morning? I wonder if our hearts wander far from God because of what David says at the very last piece in verse 2. Which we'll pick up in verse 3. But he says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and what? Forget not all of His benefits. Have we forgotten His benefits? All of them? You see, we will not be consumed by God if we do not understand the benefits of being with God. And I'm not saying we want to be with God because of His benefits, but we must remind ourselves of His benefits and all that He's done for us. And that's what David is going to tell us. And this, these are the benefits of God. This is why a person or the people of God must praise God and must be thankful to God. He gives us five things in these short verses. Let's look at those together. He says this, these five things in verses 3 through 5. He forgives all of our iniquities. He heals all of our diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Who satisfies you with good. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Those five benefits are this. And they're all consuming benefits. But look what the word he says. He says don't forget all. He forgives all. He heals all. There's this thing of all. Like God is all consuming and sees all things. There's nothing that God misses. Amen? He does not miss your life. There's not one moment in your life that God has been taking a break on. He's seen it all. And this is what He says. These are the five benefits that we see in this text. The first one is this. The first one is this. Who? Who is God forgives all of your iniquities. The first reason that we, the people of God, must give thanks to God is we must remind ourselves of His great forgiveness. Like we are reminded that God forgives all of our iniquities, both great and small. You've, you know this about forgiveness. Forgiveness is the very foundation of our relationship with God. Without forgiveness, there is no relationship with God. And it says this, we need God to forgive us. We cannot forgive ourselves. It's a work of God. And so we must remind ourselves the work of God that He forgave us in spite of us. Amen? And so are we consumed with the forgiveness of God? Not only are we consumed with the forgiveness of God, but it says this in the next part of verse 3. Who heals all of our diseases. God not only forgives, but He heals us. That is both physical healing and supernatural healing. Without God's forgiveness, there will be no healing for your sin. With forgiveness comes healing. But it is also this, as we have seen both with Briar and with Brother Jack. It is not because we have great doctors, though we do have great doctors. It's not because we have great medicine, though we have great medicine. Our healing, our physical healing comes from God and God alone. 
And so we must remind ourselves every time that we have physical healing, it's not because I took Advil. It's because God and His goodness and His sovereignty to me decided in His wisdom to heal me. It's by the goodness of God that He is deciding to heal Frank and to heal Briar. That's not because anything Briar did or because anything that Brother Frank did. It's because of the goodness of God. He heals all of our iniquities and all of our diseases. Here's what is also true. You, you may not experience healing physically from this body on this side of eternity, but God tells us this. There will be a complete body given to you that is completely whole and completely healed on the other side of eternity. That is our promise. Our promise is not this. If I come to Jesus, He'll heal everything on this side of eternity. But if we come to Jesus, He will heal all things for all of eternity when I enter into His presence. So we know that God heals. And it's by Him and Him alone. Not only does He forgive, not only does He heal, but it says this in verse 4. He who, what? Redeems. We have a great Redeemer. That means that He rescued us in spite of us. It's what the book of Ruth talks about. We have a kinsman redeemer. It's Christ and Christ alone. Do you give praise to God for your redemption? Redemption means there had to be a price paid for you. The price that was paid for you was a life paid for you and paid for me. You see what Romans says is this, for the wages of sin is death. And so we know we, we have forgiveness of sin, we have healing of sin, but if that was all we had, then it wouldn't be enough. We need the redemption of sin. We need a price that has been paid for us. And Christ laid down His life and paid the price to redeem us from the pit of hell into the gates of glory. Amen? Do, are we consumed with God and His great redemptive works? And not only that, it says this in verse 5, or verse 4, who crowns us with steadfast love and mercy. So we're forgiven by God, we're healed by God, we're redeemed by God, and then it says this, when that all those things happen, God places a crown on our heads. And what's the crown made of? Two things. Of love and compassion. That God is placing on our heads an ongoing love for us and an ongoing compassion for us. That is the gift that we receive not only outside of our redemption, but we receive a daily basis of God's compassion, His goodness, and His kindness. And then he says this. The fifth thing is this. Why ought we praise and do you give thanks to God? It's because of this. He satisfies us with what? In the text. Good. It's what James says in James chapter 1, verse 17. Every good gift and perfect gift is from where? Above, everything that we have in our life that we consider to be good is not because you worked for it or you earned it or you deserved it. It's because of the goodness of God that He gave it to you and to satisfy us with good. And that satisfying us with His good and His glory is to stir our affections for Him. Does your wife, does your children, does your car, does your house stir your affections for God because those are good gifts? Not because you deserve them, but because God freely gave them to you. And then he says, so that your youth 
will be renewed like the eagles. Another way to put it is the way the psalmist said it, is that we would be reminded of our salvation. Are you today reminded of your salvation because of the forgiveness of God, the healing of God, God's great redemption and the crown that He has placed on your head with steadfast love and mercy and compassion? And now He's going to tell us. These are all the things that God has done for us. But now let's look at God Himself. Those things are not uh, simply who God is. That's what God does. Now David is going to remind himself who God is. This can be taken from Exodus chapter 34. For whatever reason, God continues to push me to Exodus chapter 34. Remember we talked about that several weeks ago. That, that Moses was in the cleft of the rock and he's begging to see God. And he said, God says, you cannot see me. And then God says, but I am these things. I am righteous, I am merciful, I am gracious, I'm slow to anger, and I bound in love. You can see that about me. You can see that character about me. Do we really know God this morning? Have we, we all can say we've experienced His blessings. But even an unbeliever can say they've experienced God's blessings. But do we know and know God? David gives us five reasons to pray, praise God because of who God is. The last was because of what God has done. Now it's who God is. Five things we see in this text. He says this in verse, starting in verse 8. And the Lord, that's a relationship word, the word Lord there. The Lord is what? Merciful. Gracious slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. He, he doesn't hold our accusers. That's what the word chide means. He, he's not always going to accuse us. He will keep His anger from us. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repays us according to our iniquities. And then He's going to tell us how He gets rid of our iniquities. So the first thing that we see that God does, he, God works in righteous, righteousness and justice for the oppressed. You know who the oppressed are? You and me. We've been oppressed by sin. We've been oppressed by the enemy. And God says, I will work on behalf of those who have been oppressed. And He works it where and how? With righteousness and justice to all that have been oppressed. The next thing that we see, God is what? Merciful. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. We deserve death, but God does not give us that. He's gracious to us. That word grace, grace means getting what we don't deserve. He's slow to anger. Thank God He's slow to anger. Thank God that God's wrath has come to us slowly and not quickly. And lastly, it says this, He abounds instead Fast love. So he's slow to anger, but he's abounding. He's quick to love. I don't know about you, but with my children, I'm, I'm the opposite. I'm quick to anger and slow and steadfast love. But he's going to tell us what a father ought to be like in this passage. He says that in a few moments. The next thing is this, that God 
will not always accuse us. And he will keep his anger from us. Thank God that we're not under the daily accusation of God. Because here's what's true. All of us fall sin and short of the glory of God. All of us today, either you have sinned already, you're sinning now, or you will sin. And God does not accuse us in this moment. Because if He accuses us in this moment, His wrath would be poured out onto us from heaven in this very moment because of all of our sins. We'd all be dust, ash in here because of the wrath of God. But God's Word says, no, 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 no. He won't always accuse. Praise God for that. And He will, He will, catch that word, He will keep His anger from us. He will withhold His wrath from us. We do not withhold God's wrath from us. God withholds His wrath from us. And then He says this, He does not deal with us according to our sins. Thank God He does not have a ledger book in heaven. Amen? Like, thank God he's not up there. Up oh, there he did. Yep, 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 yep. I mean, that brother would be all day checking off in a book for me. He wouldn't even have time to get to y'all. But thank God he does not deal with me according to my sins. Again, if he were to deal with me according to my sins, if the Apostle Paul is correct, and I believe he is, then I deserve to die. But I, because of God's love on me, He does not deal with me according to my sins, nor repays me for my iniquity. But He does this in verse 11. Two things He deals and how He deals with our sin. It says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love towards those who fear Him. The first thing that He does with our sins. He deals with our sins according to His steadfast love. And what the writer says, it's unmeasurable. As high as the heavens are. Now, I don't know if you've ever been outside and seen a star. You know how far some of those stars are away? Millions and millions and millions and millions of light years away. Like, if we left here and started going to some of the closest stars, it would take us years upon years upon years upon years to get to. And God in His Word says, I'm far beyond that. He's using the analogy, you can't get to it. That's how I deal with you. Like you can't get to it. You'll never be able to get to it because I love you so much. That's how I'm going to deal with your sin. He loves us unmeasurably. And then He says this, as far as the east is from the west, so far He removes our iniquities, or our transgressions from us. Another unmeasurable distance. Here's what one writer says. If I, I look to the right, I don't see what's behind me. If I look back to the left, I don't see what's behind me. Like, if I look this way, I'm not going to see that way. If I look that way, I can't see that way. That, that's how God deals with our sins. It's so far removed from us, we can no longer see it in both directions. But I wonder, church, how come we don't live 
lives of forgiveness as far as the east is from the west. How many of us still live under condemnation for what we've done? But God's word says, I don't condemn. You know who's condemning? It's either you or Satan. And I think sometimes we give Satan too much credit. We condemn ourselves. And we condemn ourselves because we don't know the word of God. God's word says, how does he deal with your sin? Any sin that you've created? If you're a child of God, you've been forgiven by God, and it's so far removed from you, it's unmeasurable. You can never get to it. But why do we hold on to it? I think we hold on to it because we don't believe who God says he is and what he's done. I think it traces all the way back to commanding our hearts to be reminded of what God has done for us. He has forgiven us, amen? Let's live that way. The third thing is this. He deals with us with compassion. I love that. He says, this is how I'm going to deal with your sin. As a father shows compassion to his children, so God shows compassion to those who fear him. How come God is showing us compassion? Because we're his children. He answers that in the next text. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. God remembers how he created that. That's why he has compassion on us. Do we understand that? Like God knows our frailty. Like when you know someone's frail, do you not extend more compassion to them? And so God is saying, I I remember how I made you. I know you're frail. I know you're weak. I know you come from dust. I know you're going to sin. And yet I'm going to pour out like a father pours out compassion. I'm going to pour that same compassion on you because I know who you are. And then he says this, I'm going to have that compassion because you're like this. Your days are like grass. You flourish like a flower in the field for the wind passes over it and is gone. And its place knows no more. So I'm going to remember how you're created. I'm going to have compassion on you. I know you're not going to last long. So I'm going to have to be compassionate on you. I'm going to be slow to anger. And I'm going to be abundant in my love for you. And then he says this. But the steadfast love of the Lord is everlasting to everlasting to those he loves. And he's going to pour out his righteousness on his children. You see, God's compassion leads to God's forgiveness, which leads to God's love that's everlasting, that will then He will be righteous with us. So then David says this. That is who God is. He is a Father to us. And then he says this in closing. So who should praise God? Who should praise God? And then David says this. Look where he starts and then look where he ends. Bless the Lord. Oh, you His angels. You mighty ones who do His Word. Obey the voice of His Word. Bless the Lord, all His hosts, His ministers who do His will. Bless the Lord, all of His works. So we see He's saying everything in all of creation, first and foremost, the angels, the ministers, the, the ones that minister to Him, 
Not, not me. That's not, that's not what he's talking about. And God's creation. Everything's going to bless God. Paul says this way in Romans. The creation is groaning for God to come and return to make it right so that it can fully praise God. The angels now are blessing God. We see that in Revelation 4. We see that in Isaiah 6. That the angels of God are screaming, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And now he says this, all of creation is going to bless God, but look where he ends. I believe he ends this way for this reason. Bless the Lord. Who? Oh, my soul. Let me join in with what already is happening in all of creation. Are we blessing the Lord? Are we blessing the Lord? Are you blessing the Lord? Here's what's true. The Bible tells us this. All of mankind will bless the Lord one day. Believer and unbeliever. Do we know that? Every soul on this planet for all of eternity, one day will bless the Lord. Paul says in Romans 14.11, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess to God. That word confession in the Greek means to praise God. Both believer and unbeliever one day will praise God. And so my question to you, my question to me is, will I do that now? Or will I wait for eternity? You see, if I'm not blessing and praising God and I'm waiting for eternity, I'll bless Him for one moment and then I'll be cast to the pit of hell for all of eternity. I'll no longer have the opportunity to bless and praise God. And so the question is for you and for me this morning, do we bless God today? Will we bless God this afternoon? Will we bless God tomorrow? Will we bless God with all of our lives? for this side of eternity, so that we can go into heaven and bless Him for all of eternity. Two questions I want to leave us with this morning as application. Is there any real praise in your heart for God this morning? Real praise. Like genuine praise for God this morning. Are you thankful to God for your salvation? The last one is this. Do I share in those benefits that David talks about in verse 2? Do I share in these blessings? See, the only way to share in the blessings that David talks about, the forgiveness of God, the healing of God, the redemption of God, the crown of salvation from God and His satisfying good gifts to us comes from the cross and the cross alone. You see, you and I will never be thankful to God unless we understand the cross of Jesus Christ. Have you placed your steadfast hope and faith in that cross? And I don't mean a little wooden cross that sits behind me. I mean what that cross represents, that there was a man that was sent to us by God who was fully God and fully man that paid the price for my sin so that I would not spend eternity in hell, but eternity in heaven, that He would give His life for me. That He would be my ransom and yours as well. Have you placed your hope in that? 
And have you experienced salvation from Christ and Christ alone? If you have, we ought to praise God and be thankful to God. Let us pray.